0: Welcome to our new sermon series for the month of May, a series of unfortunate events where we look through uh, different stories throughout the Bible where things went off the rail. And yet in the midst of all that, God showed his glory and how that affects us today. Join us this month. changed tones because I know it was very somber. And you know me, I can't stay in the series too long. Uh, that's the way God made me. Um, we're looking at Judas today. And if you remember, uh, we started off this series, seems like forever ago. Do you remember the first sermon? The first one was, oh, good. I'm glad they're making an impact on your life. <laughs> it was Adam and Eve. And I got to preach Adam and Eve, so I get to start with, I got to start with Adam and Eve, and I get to end with Judas. <laughs> Great. All of you buckle in. It's going to be fun. Uh, there's, there's a number of things that come to mind when we talk about Judas. Um, and, and it's hard to sometimes, honestly, it's hard to sometimes see Judas as anything but the villain. Right? It's hard to see him as anything but just under Lucifer himself. right? And yet I want you to just take a moment today as we go through this sermon, as we talk about Judas. I want you to see him for what he was. A person. A flawed person. Like me and you. Because it's easy to villainize Judas. It's easy to turn him into. Because when we villainize, we dismiss. Well, I could never. So as we go through this, I just want you to have that in your mind. That Judas was a real person, flesh and blood person. Was born to parents, was raised by those parents. Had dreams and aspirations and goals in life. Like many of you in this room, Did you know, so Judas, right, Iscariot, when we use that, because there was another Judas, and we want to make sure that we differentiate between the Judases, but Judas Iscariot, Iscariot actually meant, you know, if you knew this, but man of Kerioth, did you know that? If you did, you can you can go for it. Man of Kerioth is what it meant, and that's actually a part of a town in Judea, and do you know where Judea is? Yes in Judah, and why is that important? Well, for a couple reasons. One, Judas from Judah, which was the tribe of Judah the original of the twelve tribes of Israel, he was the only one of the eleven disciples that wasn't Galilean. Did you know that? Yes. Yeah. What does that mean? The other thing that's interesting about him being from the tribe of Judah is from the tribe of Judah. King David and his lineage which led to who? What? Jesus. Jesus. I don't know exactly what that means but I find it extraordinarily interesting that 12 men who were disciples of Christ all were Galileans and only one was from the same tribe as Jesus. Judas. I find that extraordinarily interesting. Why? Because it brings up these questions of why? Why did Jesus pick these 11 men from Galilee and then this one guy from Judah? Why? 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 And we can ponder these things all day long. But the truth is, I don't know. God knows. God knows what He's doing. Right? The same is why you and me are sitting in this room, Right, each of us having different personalities, different temperaments, uh, different gifting, different talents, and yet we're in this room together. Why? Because because we are. Because this morning you got up and said, hey, I want to go to church, and I want to go to the, the Crock Church, because I hear they have a subpar decent preacher. Thank you for some of you that... I just find that all very interesting. We don't know a lot about Judas. There is a, a lot in Scripture about his backstory, uh, except for those little pieces that we can put together. Um, we do know he was chosen, right? He was picked, hand picked by Christ to be one of the disciples. Again, why? I don't know. Because that brings up thoughts of, well, maybe he was chosen because Jesus knew he was going to betray him and they needed someone to betray Jesus. But that brings up this thought of, well, if Jesus knows what you're going to do, do you have free will? Do you get to choose it? And the the answer to that is yes, of course you always have free will. Just because God knows what I'm going to choose doesn't mean I, I don't have the choice. I still choose it. Something else we know about Judas. Did you know what he what his role was in, within the twelve? What what was his role? He was. He was the treasurer. He what? Someone yelled out betrayer in the back. Good no for you. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> he was the treasurer. He was the money guy. Well, uh, And what that does is it te- tells us two things. One, we know the one thing that's not great. He stole. He stole from the money bag. Right? And the second thing we know is that you know that, like, you've heard of this guy Matthew, Matthew or Levi, depending you know, on which gospel you read, that's his name, Matthew or Levi. Do you know what his profession was before becoming a disciple? Do you remember? You didn't know you were coming to a quiz this morning. Someone said it. Tax collector. That means everybody loved him, right? No, nobody liked. Him. <laughs> Because think about it, Matthew, and this isn't about Matthew, but just think about it. Matthew worked for the Roman Empire to collect taxes from his fellow Jewish people. That doesn't make you really loved. And, And tax collectors also had a reputation of skimming a little off the top. So here's what's interesting. One, I find it amazing that Matthew, being a tax collector... Is never implicated in taking anything, even though that seemed to be what tax collectors did in the day. But second, it shows that Judas probably was pretty good at math. Like if they chose Judas to be the treasurer over the tax collector, he's probably pretty good at math. What's the point? Judas had skills sets. He was chosen by God. Again, we like to villainize and say Judas, you know, from the beginning was a Satan. But that's not true. That is not how that really went down. Judas had skill sets. He had things that he brought to the table to help move the mission of Jesus Christ forward. Unfortunately, we know it goes, well, goes unfortunate. The issue with him having these amazing gifts, being the treasurer over the tax collector, is how he used it. And he used it in a very, very selfish way. Each of you have gifts. Many of you have more than one gift. Now I know if I was to press you and you said, well, I don't know what my gifts are. The truth is, you know he had gifts. We just try to be modest. And that's great. But you have gifting that God has given you. For God's use. The issue with Judas is God gave him these gifts. And what did Judas use for them? He used it for himself. The gifting you have. What do you use it for? Is it just about you? All the time. Now, don't misunderstand. There are times when Jesus had to go up to the mountaintop, right? And and draw away and spend time by himself with his father. That was to strengthen him for the mission to come to refresh him. But if we're constantly thinking, me, 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 me. How can I get this? How can I work this angle? How can I, I'm entitled to this. Entitlement kills the church, guys. Kills it. Well, I'm the treasurer. I'm the title. Like, I'm keeping the money. I should be able to keep a little for myself as a, you know, maintenance fee. And we justify these entitlements and say, it's okay. But friends, God has given you a gift, and probably more than one, to use for his glory and his purpose. Not for yours. May God be glorified in your life. May not if if it's about glorifying yourself, well you 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 receive your reward this side of heaven. And and scripture is clear: store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy, and where thieves can't break in and steal. Right? Everything you store up here will turn to dust eventually. what are the things that matter this side of heaven? The eternal things. How did I share the good news of Jesus Christ? How did I share the love and hope with others? How did I treat my family, my friends? These are the things that really matter. That will last for eternity. But Judas, and there's a theme here, Judas was focused and fixing it on the temporal right in front of him and he missed the bigger picture but I will say it's easy to throw Judas under the bus but the truth of the matter is all 12 of them missed the bigger picture all 12 of them thought something else was gonna happen and then it didn't Matthew 26 Starting with the 14th verse. and scripture says this. Then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over what drove Judas to this point there's speculations about what drove him to this point but I think I think the big thing is that Jesus didn't do what Judas expected remember this thing I talked about with Matthew and working for the Romans and collecting money and all that Messiah that was prophesied hundreds of years before. The Hebrew nation viewed him as a mighty warrior, as someone who was going to come and overthrow our oppressors. Right? Because if you read the Old Testament and you see exile by the Babylonians and you see exiles by the Syrians and God bringing them back, well, they felt like they were in another exile within their own land because they were in Israel but they felt like they were in exile being under Roman rule rather than to be able to rule themselves. And they felt that oppression and many thought the Messiah that was coming was there to be a great general or an amazing politician to overthrow Rome and set Israel back up as the promised land directly under God and when Jesus didn't do that people were disappointed upset because they they viewed the great enemy as Rome but Jesus came Jesus came for the biggest enemy of all sin and death And they couldn't see past the temporal in front of them. You see what I'm saying? Judas couldn't see past the temporal in front of him. And so he decided, whatever his motivations are there, maybe he was thinking, well, if I do this and I bring these people to Jesus, maybe then it will force Jesus to rise up against them and to start this great revolution against Rome. Of course, you and I have read the rest of the book. That's not how that goes down. In fact, how it goes down, if you want to turn to John 13, starting with the 21st verse. John 13, 21. The scripture reads as follows, after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified. Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another and he lost to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciples whom Jesus loved. I, can we just stop for a, for a minute? Do you know who that is? The disciple who Jesus loved? Who is it? John. What book are we in? Yeah, good for John getting that in there talking about himself. I, I, every time I read that in the book of John, I'm like, Go, John, go for you, buddy. Because <laughs> it happens again later, the disciple that Jesus loved, and then it happens again where he talks about running to the tomb and he says, I outran Peter, <laughs> right? He kind of gets this humble brag. I just, I, I think that's funny. I I love the divinity of scripture, but I I love the fact that there's humanity in it too. These are people, real people. His disciples stared at one another at loss of which one of them he meant. Verse 23, one of them, the disciples whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. I find this piece interesting. Why? Because when we read Scripture, we know from the beginning who's going to betray. And the Gospel writers, when they say, many times when they introduce Jesus, say, our Judas, say, the one who betrays Jesus, why I find this interesting is they didn't know who it was going to be in the room. Did Did you catch that? When Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, what did they say? Judas! No, that's not what they said. And some of you who were asleep woke up, good for you. <laughs> no, they wondered. Is it me? Is it you? You you see what I'm getting at there? Like we, we like to automatically say, well, Judas, 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 Judas. But even in the room with these 13 men and whoever else was in the room with them, they were unsure who it was going to be. Could it be me? You see, the devil, the person right in front of you, you don't know their intentions, only God does. And when we start judging intentions, that can be difficult, right? Scripture says we we need to be bearing fruit, and so the way that we work through that is: Am I loving? Am I patient? Am I kind? Am I gentle? Am I good? Am I faithful? Do I have self-control? Right. These are the marks of the, a follower of Christ. And if we don't have these marks, why not? I just find it extraordinarily interesting that, that again we 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 point at Judas and point at Judas and point at Judas, but the people that were in the room when it went down weren't sure. Could it be me? And then jumping to John chapter 18, starting with the second verse. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers. And some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees, they were carrying torches and lanterns and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked him, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, said Jesus. And Judas, the traitor, was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. I've read that scripture, I don't know how many times. Did you catch that? When Jesus says, I am he, I don't know what causes it, but the soldiers fought. They fall to the ground. That's what scripture says. Is that the power emanating out of Christ? Was that to show them that really at any point I could stop all of this? But I'm not going to. That's the first time I've actually really caught that. Was reading through and preparing for this sermon. Like the power of Jesus saying, I am he. And the soldiers falling to the ground. Have you ever caught that before? That's amazing, because you see this picture of Jesus meeting the soldiers, unafraid at this point of his destiny, willing to move forward with what his father's will is for his life, and he meets the soldiers head on and asks, who are you looking for? And you just kind of read that with this gentleness. And he sees Judas. He sees them leading them down. Now, what's interesting, whatever part of scripture you read, because it's it's told in all four gospels, whichever one you read, do you ever see Jesus being anything but gentle and kind to Judas in this moment? Do you see like he is. At one point in one of the scriptures where it talks about Judas greeting him with a kiss and Jesus saying, you betray me with a kiss. But even that feels gentle. So you see this kind of juxtaposition of two things where Jesus being gentle and then merely speaking, I am he and the soldiers falling to the ground. if to say to everyone around I can stop this but I choose to do the will of my father because then it goes on in verse 7 again he asked them who is it you want Jesus of Nazareth they said Jesus answered I told you that I am he if you are looking for me And let these men go. Can we just switch for a moment. From Judas to Jesus. And just, just recognize. How amazing our God is. Hundreds of years before this in Isaiah. It talks about how the Messiah would be led like a lamb to the slaughter and beaten and just just tormented and killed. And Jesus knew this was the moment. This is when the torture starts. This is when the beatings happen. This is when the crucifixion will occur. And Jesus, let these men. What was his concern? It was for his disciples. It was for those around him. Let them go, is what he says. We put that against Judas. And what is Judas's concern? Himself. His concern is about heaven over everything else. You look at these two hand in hand, and you put them against each other, and you see the stark difference between Christ, who was selfless, and Judas, who was selfish. You weren't what I thought you were going to be. Ever those moments with God? Those real, raw moments with God? This isn't how it was supposed to go. Yeah, I have. God I'm afraid of our questioning. I'm afraid of our, our, our anger. May we question. May we sincerely seek out God. Sometimes when life doesn't go the way we want or the way we think God should have it go, it's not a great feeling. And Jesus is still standing there waiting. No, I'm here. I haven't left. I'm still here. Judas was... took things into his own hands. Judas... Not even better. Judas. Led by greed. Led by maybe feeling disappointed by who the Messiah ended up being. Betrayed. The son of God. You know, to put that into even more a little more context, then like Judas betrayed, but the other eleven disciples flee, ran. One ran so fast, like he had no clothes on. He ran out of his clothes ran was so terrified. And so again, we like to put all like Judas, Judas. Judas, but the other 11 failed. I wonder, I wonder what I would have done. I like to think I stand firm, but I I don't know. I don't know. I wonder what I would have done in those moments. I will tell you this. We have something now that wasn't fully unleashed yet in the Holy Spirit to give us power and strength and authority that even the disciples didn't fully have yet. Are you leaning on the the Holy Spirit and his understanding? Are you leaning on your own? Because if you lean on your own, you will be deceived. You will be lost. You will misunderstand what God has for you. You will think what I'm doing is right for me. Well, God has so much more. Eleven men from Galilee. And these eleven men from Galilee after the resurrection, after Pentecost, what happened to these eleven men from Galilee? They spread out around the Roman Empire and shared the good news everywhere they went. These eleven simple men from Galilee. That's what God does. Who am I that I may serve my Lord and Savior? Nobody. Who are you? Nobody. And yet God calls us his. That makes us that makes us a somebody. Matthew twenty seven. The priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. It's part of the Roman Empire. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse. And returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. There's this philosophical debate, which we don't have to get into today, but there's this debate about, you know, where Judas is. Is he in heaven? Is he in hell? I will tell you with the remorse and him being overrun with this remorse, his reaction to that? We'll put that up against Peter. Did Peter feel remorse? Remember, Peter denied Christ three times. Did he feel remorse in that? Yes. What did Peter do that Judas seemingly didn't? Peter asked for forgiveness. You see, I believe with all that I have, that even though Judas betrayed innocent blood, if Judas had gone back after and asked for forgiveness, he would have been forgiven. He would have been accepted back in Because that is the God we serve. Again, I say the danger of the story of Judas is to dismiss him as just flat out evil, but the truth is more nuanced and complicated than that. The tragedy of Judas is that he walked so close to Christ and still missed the truth. He was still caught up in his own desires. Many of you in here walk close with Christ. Are you missing the truth? There's the parallel with Lucifer and Judas. Lucifer was fully in God's presence and still rebelled, still left. Judas was fully in Christ's presence and still missed the truth. Let us not dismiss the story of Judas as... Just, oh, he was evil, and that's what happened. Because the story of Judas can be the story of us if we don't stay connected to the true mind that is Jesus Christ. If we don't allow the Holy Spirit to guide and lead us. If we don't allow him to soften our hearts when we are convicted of things. The story of Judas can be me. It can be you this morning as as music plays. Won't you come to the altar? Won't you connect in with God? Because God cares so much for you. Won't you come this morning?